0: For joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Uh, This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smokies National Park, and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history, and a rich mountain culture that we will explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots and those mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're talking about hiking in the Smokies. My guest is Keith Garns, who leads hikes for the Wilderness Wildlife Week, and is the hiking director for Friends of Pickett State Park in Middle Tennessee, and he lives in Gatlinburg. But let's first talk about spring in the Smokies. Spring is one of the most popular times to visit the Smoky Mountains. When the last traces of winter get melt away, the Smokies offer an an idyllic and beautiful uh, weather and and greenery and a variety of fun, seasonal events and activities. The start of spring means that Dollywood is back for another year of family fun. And when it opens its doors in mid-March, it kicks off the seasons with its Festival of Nations. This popular celebration brings entertainers from all around the world to the park for a series of free shows. You can expect to see dancers and acrobats from Africa, a traditional Ecuadorian band from the Andes Mountains, a steel pan orchestra from the Caribbean, and many more performers. And of course, Dollywood has other things going on through the spring, including their beloved Barbecue and Bluegrass Festival. Wildflowers are the most iconic part of the Smokies in the spring. The Great Smoky Mountains National Park is home to over 1,500 types of flowering plants, more than any other national park in the country. And they, these beautiful blooms are dazzling from March until June. So it's something not to miss. Uh, car shows, believe it or not, are a big spring pre- tradition in the Smokies. Hundreds of classic car owners come to places like Pigeon Forge and Maggie Valley to show off their beautiful hot rods, motorcycles, and other vehicles. It's a lot of fun, and even if you don't have a car car of your own, it's great to go to one of these events because they have lots of booths doing all sorts of uh, cultural artifacts and food and entertainment for the kids uh, it's, a, it's a grand old time. Mag, go to the MaggieValleyFestivalGrounds.com to find out about all the, uh, all the festivals coming in the spring because we have a bunch of them coming there uh, that are dealing with a lot of car shows, some March shows. And then spring is also an awesome time to come fly fishing in the Smoky Mountains. Every fish that swims the Smokies regions will be very active. And that includes brown trout, native trout, and, and uh, rainbow trout, and everything else. And fly fishing the Smokies is there to, is is, uh, is where is the best way to catch them. So um, you, it's great in both Tennessee and North Carolina, but you see the high, and you see the highest number of trouts caught all year round in the stream, In this in the spring, and Cherokee is especially interesting because they offer a trophy fly fishing only section which is where, where where the where the where the trout is measured in pounds not inches it's a it's a different kind of uh, way to catch it and it stocks basically the Cherokee stocks the Ravenford and the Oconee Lifty River with rainbow brown and brook trout and also golden trout and Donaldson strain rainbow trout that's the hardest fighting rainbow trout in the world so it's a special treat in the spring. In spring. Um, and spring, and they, they—they, it's worthwhile going there. And they have—they have—they have a lot of different uh, f- tournaments going on in, in the Cherokee and the surrounding areas for fly fishing in the Smokies. And of course, hiking is a huge pastime in the Smoky Mountains. Which brings me to my guest, Keith Barnes, our expert on hiking in the Smokies. Hi, Keith. Hello. How are you today, Joseph? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. So, um, so how did you get into hiking in the Smokies?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, that one right off the bat. Well, my dad was from Cleveland, Ohio and my mom was from Cosby, Tennessee. So I would come down and spend summers in the Smokies and uh, it was just so different than Cleveland. Okay. It was really in- entertaining to see the trails and the different wildlife and uh, obviously the plant life was prolific. So yeah, um, just uh, being here during the summers back in the uh, from the late '60s, so I fell in love with hiking in the Smokies.
0: What was your? What do you remember? Your first, you know, hike that you that never left your head? Yes, I do. Uh, it was in the Elkmont section and Porter's uh, uh-huh. Flat,
1: and uh, just an easy trail along the river where you could kind of lead dad, and mom, and go over. and And I never forget we saw an indigo snake, a, a blue indigo snake, which is very rare. And uh that kind of like set in stone my love of the outdoors and hiking in the mountains.
0: okay, cool. Well, that's good. I mean if, I, I, you know I can remember um you know my parents taking me you know they, they, we had a lot of uh, hiking trails in in the in the, in the Haywood county, but there, there was one that would go uh, across the mountaintops. Um, near us, and, you know, I can't. I'm, I'm in a hard time dr- drawing a name, but um, we would draw. We would we'd we'd hike, or a lot of times we'd ride horses, you know, uh, and those. And I can I can remember vividly the first experiences of, of those mountains. You know, the vistas are just incredible for children. It really you know sticks in your in your memory, and when you see some wildlife. And, it, you know, just all of a sudden the surprise, you don't really forget it. You remember a deer coming out the first time when you've never seen a deer or you see an elk for the first time and you've never seen an elk. It's it's worthwhile to create those memories for children. Um, so uh, you're also a motorcyclist, right? So I forgot to mention motorcycle is a big springtime thing, right? right. Well, <laughs> you
1: mentioned them a little bit with the cars, uh, so I didn't uh, quite chime in right then. But uh, definitely, motorcycle touring in the peripheral of the Smoky Mountains is outstanding. And understand, over in your part of the world, you have the uh, Wheels Through Time Motorcycle Museum.
0: Oh yeah, right That's near, a great near there,
1: and that that should be on every motorcyclist bucket list. It's
0: I know. Awesome. I totally, I totally dropped the ball in forgetting about motorcycling in the mountains in the spring. It's also another big thing. So, uh, so um, yeah. So uh, let's get back to hiking. So tell me. Mm-hmm. What do you find challenging about hiking the Smokies? <laughs> well, anymore,
1: it's finding a uh, seclusion. <laughs> so you <laughs> have to <laughs> use your trails wisely. They, uh, are, for example, um, November, the park visitation was up 14% in 2020 over 2019. So um, the numbers overall are, are a little skewed. But recently, finding a trail, uh, secluded trail is an art. And I have some suggestions.
0: I, I was just reading um that this year had the most visits ever like over 12 million people visited the Smoky Mountains uh Great Smoky Mountains National Park right this year right, right. and you you, you know I, I don't want to scare people off because you know we've had that we've had huge amounts of visitors for a long long time that's always been a, the most uh visited national park and you you don't understand the scale of this Park. It's just it's 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 unbelievable. And there's areas that are in the in the Great Smokies that probably have only maybe haven't even had somebody step on the ground there. Um, Mm -hmm. So it, it is tremendously so discovering stuff if you're of that mind is still very much possible. Uh, but there are there are the published uh, and popular trails that are well documented. Things um, that during certain peak seasons are are a little bit crowded, though never overwhelmingly crowded. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yes. Like for example, if you were to go to Grotto Falls up the Roaring Fork Motor Nature Trail up the Roaring uh-huh. Fork Watershed, few people go a hundred yards past it. And same thing with Laurel Falls, a popular hike, so popular they had to like blacktop it. So you. So there's a red flag on stroller alerts, right? But uh, once you get to Laurel, you go past it and there's a a, a virgin forest just three-eighths of a mile past it in total solitude. So just go a little bit to the popular points and just a little bit beyond will give you give you an experience that's uh worthy.
0: Yeah, because most people most of the tourists are there because they're they don't, they don't they don't go off the trails, they don't go and do any kind of things past the the designated areas. But, you know, if you do a little bit of, have a little bit of adventure in your soul, you can discover wonderful uh, new pristine areas. And uh, that's what I really love. Um, Yeah. So um, what, what, what uh, preparation wisdom do you have for us?
1: Oh, there's a lot of printed materials on how to prepare for a hike. Some of them go overboard, like, you know, flashlights, which I'm not against a flashlight. Don't not take one, but, you know, if your cell phone's charged, you've got a flashlight, you know. Uh-huh. but uh, And also another, this one's odd, um, bug spray. The smokies, all the water runs downhill, and there's, there's gnats that fly in front of your face that you can't do anything about. And no amount of bug spray is going to keep those guys away. But the mosquitoes basically aren't a big issue, so you don't have to overdo the bug spray. What you do need to compensate for is that it could rain in any given moment. Like if you're looking at a Knoxville forecast or even a Nashville, you might be as misled into a drier day than you might find, like cloud burst and, and so a light poncho or something to deal with with rain, and I even carry an umbrella, one that packs in my pack. No <laughs> one knows just, I have it. You, you just I'm did that with like...
0: a, conspiratorial, a conspiratorial look. Is <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> well, that exactly, not something you're
1: supposed to do? <laughs> I wouldn't admit I had an umbrella in my pack until I needed it, and then I looked pretty smart. So that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a tip there. So, And do carry a pack with items. Don't think you can carry things in your hand. Extra water is also a big, big item, and, and snacks. So common sense items go a long way, and be ready for a cloud burst.
0: And what about fitness levels? Is there is, is there different trails? Is there is there any recommendations like uh, you know? Uh, you know I'll, I'll tie that into the twelve
1: and a half million people you said visited the park, and that like sixteen percent of them see it through the windshield of their car, and that's kind of a shame. So there are the along four forty one and Little River Road, there are these uh, quiet walkways which are little, like, third-mile hikes. Uh, Several of them are um, ADA-approved or what have you. Um, And so you can do, like, a hike in various footwear. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you to go hiking in flip-flops, but they are level trails that might take you near a mountain stream, and they can match the whole family's fitness level, and several have benches and kiosks for information. So I would look for a quiet walkway while you're driving through the park. And then people that want to find a challenging hike, it's no problem. A lot of times I look at a map, and I always give myself two miles or two
0: hours to do a mile in
1: the park. Or two,
0: how, two how, how, uh, did, is there is there measures of how challenging uh, uh, trails are? Yes, they do,
1: have, they do have one.
0: Uh, uh, in fact, uh, I was just
1: looking at Andrew's Ball, one of my favorite hikes to recommend. It was a 5.2 and rated moderate. So uh-huh. it must have. A, they have a one to ten scale, and uh, and to me that's a difficult moderate trail. So so whoever's grading this is using a curve that's pretty thick. So I would always take what's recommended and and maybe uh, respect it.
0: All right. So when we come back, we'll talk more about hiking in the Smokies and and what are your favorite trails. Howdy. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Keith Garns. So, Keith, you know, I, uh, I I'm on the North Carolina side of the Smokies. And so I gonna start out asking you, what is your favorite North Carolina hike? Oh, good
1: one. Good one. It would definitely be Andrew's Bald, which uh, brings up balds in the Smokies. Uh, a lot of the balds have grown up uh, since the um, their 1930s when the park was formed. And there's two balds that they maintain to the 1930s standards. And one is Andrew's bald, the highest bald in the park. And the other is Gregory bald, which is kind of a remote bald out of Cades Cove. a very Can, very can, you, can,
0: can I interrupt you? Just ask you, can you explain what a bald is?
1: Thank you. Uh, there's two types of balds in the park, a grassy bald which uh, these uh, Andrews and Aunt, um, Gregory are grassy balds. And then there's like heath balds, which are like low shrubbery, where they, um, they kind of just have one type of plant that look like a monoculture from a view or mono-type um, plant life. And so the grassy balds are the ones that are encroaching. Uh, they have to go up there and pull out about every five years and clear off the, the growth of the forest coming on them to keep them at their historical uh, levels and Andrew's bald, being the highest bald in the park, has has the only carnivorous plant in the park. It's a sundew carnivorous plant. And years ago, I found where they they protected it, and I've gone back and can't find the silly things. But there's carnivorous plants on Andrew's bald. I I can. Wow,
0: I, and, how, and how do you get there? Well, it's a uh, from Cleman's
1: Dome, which takes everybody to the highest point in the park. Uh, you know, which Cleman's Dome is. The highest point in Tennessee, and it's on the border, which has the hike to Clemens Dome, which is famous. But from from that parking lot, you go downhill towards it, and it's about a it's a about a one point seven mile hike out to it, and it's uh it's about five thousand eight hundred foot and has a grassy view. You're totally in North Carolina at this point, and uh, you uh, can look into Fontana uh, Lake and, and off into the North Carolina valleys from there.
0: Cool. And what was the other bald you mentioned you loved?
1: Uh, Gregory, that's famous for the azaleas. Uh, oh, it's I a, love
0: azaleas. Oh. Yeah,
1: so a later in the year hike. Uh, long trails to that one. That one's more challenging. Andrew's is more accessible, and Gregory's more remote. And they're both, um, um, Gregory being above Cades Cove, had a lot of animals graze on it back in the years. Some other balds are Spence Field and um, Siler's bald. And Silas bald's grown over for the most part now.
0: So the balls are a good place to go hike to and then have a picnic out on the top of the mountains. Right. <laughs> I'll tell you what Andrew's sure is for sure. Yeah. And how do you get to the, um, to the Gregory ball? You know, Gregory's
1: out of Kate's Cove and I think it's Hannah Ridge, a couple other ridges to get out to it. it. It's, I wouldn't recommend that for a family hike. That's for your durable people. It's like a 10 mile round trip. Whereas, um, Going down to Andrews Ball will only be about three and a half. So,
0: so that, that's the one I take my uh, my twins on, right? My two-and-a-half-year-old twins. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, basket, yeah the picnic basket. Yeah, the picnic basket and go lay on a blanket. In your yeah.
1: backpack till you got there. Yeah.
0: I probably have to put one of those carrying things on there. They're not quite ready for a, a mile and a half walk.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, it's, it's worth it, though. And the al- altitude of that one will get you because you're, you're going down to 5,800 feet. So it's, you know.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, so, uh, we talked about the North Carolina side. I, I give fair, a uh, fair, uh, fair time to the Tennessee side. What is your favorite hikes on the Tennessee side? Well, you know what? Mount Leconte is perhaps the most
1: fabled mountain in the East. I know that's hard to say, but statistically it's the highest mountain above its base in the East because Mount Mitchell's higher, but it's not lower. So, so Leconte has a lot of accolades and to me, the best all around trail In the state of Tennessee is Alum Cave Trail, which uh, has several main features along it. Like it goes along the River Styx, which is a great start. Goes through Arch Lock, which the Smokies, for all its grandeur, only has one arch on a trail. And and the trail passes through it. In fact, the trails forever uh, improve the, the steps through it. It's really worth seeing if you haven't seen it in a few years. And then it goes up to like Inspiration Point and then Alum Cave, and then past there is Gracie Pulpit, and then you have the saddle. I mean, it has all this history of hiking points along it. Uh, the double steps, they took out the double steps, the trails forever, but I still call it that. You go across the grassy slide and then below the cliff tops, and you end up on Lacan. It's uh, the shortest trail to Lacan, which has a, a, a lodge on top of it that's a seasonal lodge. And they have a winter caretaker that takes care of the lodge during the off season, which that's a glamour job now with uh, with the internet and cell phone
0: mm-hmm.
1: and logs from on top of the cone.
0: What um, you know, you, you, when you when you when you're hiking these trails, and I mentioned it a little bit, you see wildlife. What is the most besides you know the standard rabbits and rodents and things like that? What what is the most common uh, bigger animals you might see along these uh, trails? Well, from from living in Gatlinburg, I've got a whole section on my
1: phone called Snakes and Bears, like a whole <laughs> album. And bears can be prolific, even up high, because they'll go up high. In um, fact, sometimes they've even closed close Gregory because there's they're like cherry trees and things that are growing so much. Uh, blackberries along the side of the trail, and and they're just just like on a euphoric dinner. For, right. and, uh, so they they'll go up high during the summer. And then come down low where they're a problem at the rental cabins, uh, you know, during the, the fur field, or shoulder seasons, I should say. But right. the bears are definitely it. I, you don't see a lot of snakes. You scare them off pretty well. So I wouldn't want to have anybody feared about a snake. Um, uh, birds are good to see. Apparently, yeah. falcons, the locals call them duck hawks. And so good birding in the park, too, with uh
0: well, birding's a big thing now in uh, in the in, in the mountains. I got I think they got more species in the mountains and sort of a geographic area than anywhere in the world, right? Uh, yeah. Close to it.
1: Yes, it's uh, Smokies are a biosphere reserve. It's really acclaimed, highly. Acclaimed. Do you
0: see? Do you get? Do you see the elk often on the on the trails?
1: That's a North Carolina side thanks. Yeah, I was wondering that. About I have that. to give you. Uh, they haven't. We don't quite have the Catalucci type uh, environment as much. Yeah. So, so no, that you got,
0: you yeah, definitely awesome. on, on that. Spot. Uh, yeah. One another time we'll get in depth into the, uh, some of the, the specific trails. Some of them have some really good wildlife like the elk on the North Carolina side. I imagine Tennessee has its own flavor of that. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I used to see, uh, you know, you'd see fox and, uh, yeah. You know, and, uh, and, and, uh, mountain, uh, not mountain lions. Uh, what are they? Bobcats. Do you see? Them? Oh yes. Yes. You'll see those. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah. no, no? Um, Fox, you might. Yeah. I've got a few yeah. Fox stories, but no, and, but man, those bobcats, if they don't want you to see them, then you don't, don't you don't them.
0: see them. Yeah. You're right.
1: lucky to see
0: those. I, you know, <laughs> well, you, um, uh, you mentioned that the, the, that get a little bit crowded. Um, So, you know, and while we want to emphasize it doesn't get so crowded that you can't go to any of these trails, why don't you just tell us which ones to avoid uh, if we're wanting to just be, like, by ourselves?
1: You know, Laurel Falls is a great destination that has, like I said, they've paved it. It's used so much. So I would avoid that one or try it early in the morning. You know, I mean, people go to Pancake Pantry in the morning, and you can – Freeze on a trail if you're at 7 a.m. or, you know, so yeah. there are ways around it. Uh, and like I say, uh, there's different types of trails where the trail ends at a destination or it goes beyond it. And Laurel Falls goes on up to Cove Mountain. And the trail leaves the crowds behind just past the waterfall. So that's uh, another way. Um, Grano Falls can be um, busy, which is on the Roaring Fork uh, Motor Nature Trail, on another trail up the Lacan, Brushy Mountain. And once again, if you go past Grotto Falls itself and try to get up uh, to Brushy Mountain or go beyond it at all, you'll, you'll find solitude. And that's the trail that they take the llamas up to Mount La Concha during the season. So oh, wow. it has its own little tourist, uh, you know, people like to take pictures of the llamas. And they actually pass underneath Grotto Falls Trail. So there's <laughs> always a crowd for that. They used to do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday when the season was open on La
0: my kids would love that work. Their current favorite is uh, uh "Lama llama Red pajamas book
1: <laughs> oh, um, okay.
0: uh, so you, you I mean you mentioned briefly something about stealth, stealth hikes. What does that mean?
1: Oh, okay um, now first off, all the hikes I recommend is staying on trails. I'm not trying to get anybody to go off trail okay yeah. so that said that caveat there's a trail very there's three watersheds that come off the north side of Lacan. And, and uh, one is Roaring Fork that I spoke a lot about, and the other is concrete Creek. But there's a middle one called Baskin Creek. And and if you go towards the Rainbow Falls trailhead, just past there before you get on the Roaring Fork Motor Nature Trail, there's a way to go to Baskin Creek Falls, and it is absolutely gorgeous. It it's uh, no sun hits the bottom of it. It looks like you're in Ireland. It has green moss all around it. It's about a 45 footer, and uh, is um, kind of in a box canyon. So it's very photogenic, and few people would be there, and it's
0: actually a lovely hike. Wow, cool. Is there, is there more of these sort of stealth uh, hikes?
1: Yeah, um, Albright's Grove, which is uh, getting away from a waterfall, but it's Mandarin Ball Trail, and it is a some of the, the largest virgin forest area on the Tennessee side. It used to be an Indian power point where Indians would go and worship there because the trees were... Uh, so gigantic and they're situated in like special like triangles and such. So it's a, it's a loop that's off of um, in an easy trail up to that point. So Albright's Grove, definitely Google that one and try to find it. It's a, it's a worthy destination.
0: Well, I don't know any, any official uh, North Carolina side stealth, cop, uh, stealth hikes, but I know some private stealth hikes that you're not supposed to go on that are really fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody can call me up and find out about it. But uh, I'll, I promise I'll get a North Carolina guy on here to talk about it, or a girl, for that matter, to talk about it. And then we'll have you both on here to have a competition. How's that sound? Right, okay. <laughs> well, I'm not, I can't divulge our secret
1: hikes like that because I have to live with these people. Like, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got I to
0: be stealth about the stealth. So Okay, so we come back. We'll talk about some of the more well-known trails, like the Appalachian Trail. Uh, talk to you soon. Hey, it's Joseph McElroy from the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. Back with uh, my guest Keith Bar- Garnes talking about uh, hiking in the Smokies. So, Keith, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, there's some long trails that go uh, that go through the Smokies. I think the Benton McKay Trail and the Mountains to the Sea Trail, but I guess the Granddaddy is the Appalachian Trail. What do you know about these trails? Are they worth walk- walking on? <laughs> oh, yes, Appalachian Trail. Travels about
1: 69 miles through the park from Fontana uh, Dam all the way to Davenport Gap with, um, oh gosh, Newfound Gap, kind of the midpoint where, where the hikers take breaks and, and shuttle down to Gatlinburg or, or Cherokee, you know, for, to restock. And, uh, definitely there's a lot of access. In fact, the Clemens Dome, uh, one of the most famous points, observation points in the park is on the Appalachian Trail. And there's several shelters along it that, uh, that the Appalachian through hikers, they call them, uh, navigate to, to, to journey through the park. They're usually about five miles apart. Often hikers will skip one and do about 10 miles a day through the park. And uh, the easiest one to actually look at is the Mount Collins shelter, which is on the uh, Cleveland's Dome Road. It's like only like three quarters of a mile off the road, so you can kind of like pop in there and check it out (laughs) if you ever wanted to see a shelter. The rest of them are pretty remote, though.
0: So those are good for people that want to sort of have a camping experience and do some hiking, right? They are permitted, though. You do need to get a permit. So so they're kind of like
1: spontaneous is a little difficult, but uh, definitely uh, they're – Um, You know, like you could hit the Boy Scout camp (laughs) or group that's going through or, you know, you never know what you're going to find at a shelter. And it's always an an adventure in itself.
0: There are other backwoods camps, campgrounds, right, that uh, people can go to or all of them permitted. You know what? A lot of, you know, a good good question on that.
1: Some of the tent sites are unpermitted because they're just so so unpopular or not overly used. But even the more popular tent sites have a permit system. Just, just because if they're overcrowded, they hurt the ecosystem.
0: All right, cool. Well, it's, uh, you know, um, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, that that's for people that. uh, But I'm way past that time of doing that hiking. But I used to do it. (laughs) Now I got kids and a family and all that sort of stuff. Um, You know, when I I do remember that you can't take your dog on the trail. Why is that? Well, the Smokies are a
1: designated wilderness area. Mm-hmm. And and so, in fact, that's a big deterrent on hiking the AT. There's people making their livelihood by keeping people's dogs and driving them to one end of the park from the other, because the through hikers often will hike with dogs and cannot take them through the park. A lot of tourists will bring their dog with them and, and not realize until they get to a trailhead. Uh, there's two trails that they do allow dogs on and they're they're kind of like uh, the Gatlinburg Trail, which is a great kids' trail, and you can walk a dog, and you can even take a bicycle on on that trail. And then the Lufty Trail uh, over on the North Carolina side it has a section out of Cherokee that they allow dogs on. And uh, what's good about both those there are along rivers to where the dog can get in the stream a bit and all that. So there is one area, but it's very um, minute in the grand scheme of the backcountry adventures you can do. None with your dog.
0: Now, why would they not let dogs on the trails? Do you know?
1: It's a it's a wilderness designation, and they would just like. First off, you wouldn't want to be below cliff tops with a 500 foot drop off and a handrail. Uh, yeah. and and you know, some of them are just unsafe. But the ecology, you know, they, they the the scat, let's say, would not be um, you know would mess with the system in the park. It's a real. It's made for coyotes and foxes and bears and not dogs aren't native
0: all right so um you know people come in there do they have to be concerned about their safety i mean crime other things is that how common is that
1: not not a problem with common sense like they they say to you know not leave your purse in the front of the car you know i mean there might be some break-ins and all that and in fact that's the the park having to designate uh, law enforcement does take away from the backcountry money to spend on trails and, and upkeep. But um, but no, I, I would not worry about crime in the park if you are, have common sense with it, especially the more popular trailheads have safety in numbers.
0: So um, let's change the subject. You know, I don't think a lot of people know that a lot of these trails go to uh, old settlements, old cabins. You know, Elkmont, I think, is one, right? Um, what, what do you have on the Tennessee side in, in that regard? Well, definitely you mentioned Elkmont, which you could almost dedicate a whole show to that. And
1: then another big big cultural thing kind of in decay, so to speak, is the uh, the old uh, CCC era where they, they had the, the Civilian Conservation Corps Set up, and they built a lot of the roadways. In fact, the stonework you see along some of the bridges in the park are hard to replicate today. Uh, and they um, uh, they had encampments of that too for the social benefit of the country back during the depression. So there's a lot of that history you can hike along. Uh, old cemeteries like the uh, Greenbrier section of the park, uh, the uh, Greenbrier Preservation Society will give you a map, and all the all the cemeteries are. Very, very fascinated. Some people are into that. There's books dedicated to it, and uh, uh, but Elkmont's the the biggest one where it's an old. Uh, oh gosh, hard to explain Elkmont. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's gone now. Uh, they're restoring some buildings, and and they, they're letting it you know, the rest of it kind of move into
0: history. And you know, North Carolina has some good uh, good settlements and old buildings too that they have on the park, right?
1: Yes. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, like to Lefty has a village, right?
1: Right, right. The Indian village that covers that culture. In fact, the uh, sh- the contrast the Sugarlands Visitor Center with the Lefty is Sugarlands does more of the plant life and the the biosphere era of the park, and then Kona Lefty carries the Indian cultural heritage and some of that type of
0: history for the park. Cool. And uh, and then uh, I th- it's, it's Cataloochee Valley that has that old um, that old settlement too. And there's a good some good hikes up there, right?
1: Yes, yes, that that's over in your woods. In fact, I know of I know a little is, bit about that is, area. Is uh, a Purchase Knob. I've not done Purchase Knob yet. And I, I want to go stay at the Meadowlark and go hike up there. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that this year.
0: Well, you should. You know, it's a 500 acre um, handcrafted mountain retreat in the Smokies. You know, it, I really it's. Um, it's not too far from uh, Maggie Valley. We send people there over all the time. It's got it's like five thousand feet. It's a pretty tall place, right? Uh, and it was um, it's it's fairly recent to be part of the, the national park. It was donated in two thousand. Um, and uh, you know what's great for uh, I like to you know I like it because it's family friendly. You know they got the mm-hmm. Appalachian Highlands Science Learning Center there, and they have like I don't know thousands of students come there every year. Um, and in, and you know when you when you're talking about wildflowers, it's uh, a great place to see all the wildflowers and uh, stuff in the mountains, and that's a family fr- family friendly environment. So anyway, um, <laughs> and it has a good webcam. And it has a good webcam. That's yeah. Exactly I've watched So so um, do you know? What we, I, I bet you know about the road to nowhere. I've talked about it a couple times here. Is uh. You know about that? It's not a Talking Head song,
1: <laughs> right? Right. I, yeah. <laughs> wanted to clarify that for everyone. Um, definitely, uh, the road to nowhere is is kind of like I guess this, the federal government promised the state of North Carolina a tourism road, and and somehow the plug got pulled on it. So they've got a bridge and a road, and it just takes you somewhere, and then it
0: that. But it ends in a trail, right? It's a great hiking trail,
1: right? Right, right, and you can. Um, Travel it out of the Bryson City area of the park. Yeah.
0: So so we've talked about wildflowers. So why don't we tell everybody what are the best wildflower hikes? And when would, when would they peak this year? Oh, good one.
1: Um, for one thing, one of my most recommended hikes uh, for wildflowers, uh, Porter's Flat and uh, Ramsey's uh, Prong and Ramsey's Cascade, it's going to have some bridge work this year. So check ahead on that. You might not be able to hike the Ramsey's Cascade for during the peak wildflower season, okay? But uh, some alternatives are the uh, Little River Trail in Elkmont. A beautiful. It's like an old roadbed where you can walk side-by-side side with people along the mountain stream, and there's several really good trails for tri- trillions on that one. And uh, there's a, also a middle prong of the Little River, not the Little Pigeon, but the middle prong of the Little River of the Tremont section of the park. has uh, excellent destinations for like Spruce Flat Falls is there, uh, there in that area, and uh, and then the uh, Porter's right um, going up to Lynnville Cascade and Linville Falls is a, a good trail for water uh, waterfalls and wildflowers.
0: Cool, um, yeah, and I mentioned on the on the North Carolina side is the uh, is the Purchase Knob is a great place for it. Um, what are the best waterfall hikes, or you know, the top three or something like that.
1: Okay. Um, you know what? Not rainbow. <laughs> Everybody gets their tail kick going to rainbow, so give that one up. I mean, you know, it's it's nice, but uh, um, let's see the aforementioned uh, Spruce Flat Falls out of Tremont is, is a short hike in a very worthy falls trail ends there, so it's just an in and out or out and back type uh, trail. Um, the another the Abrams uh, Abrams Falls, which is in Cadesco. Abrams is the largest watershed in in the Smokies that is entirely protected and what I mean by that is when it flows out of the park it goes on to Tennessee valley authority land and then flows into uh lake uh, Chilhowee, or called and uh, so anyways that's where they introduced the elk or not the elk the otters ah. so the otters are the ones that swim right so yeah. uh, they uh, <laughs> and so therefore they could like if they ventured out of the park they wouldn't hit the hunter hunting zone so to speak so, Abrams is, is uh, definitely a, a recommended waterfall. And uh, a, a smaller one that needs good volume uh, as far as rain and such to support it is Hinwallow Falls out of Cosby. And that's a stealth hike too. Not many people hike uh, that particular trail. It's on Gabe's Mountain Trail out of the uh, Cosby campground area.
0: Cool, and you know I, we talk about spring, but waterfalls is a great, is great. Uh, uh, those are some good winter hikes, aren't they? Very much
1: so. In fact, the lower elevation. Uh, one thing about the park is that a lot of times when it snows at newfound Gap above five thousand foot, you can't drive to the higher elevation hikes, uh, and so you have to use the low country. And uh, a lot of the good falls are at a low level, uh, you know, elevation wise. I mean. And um, so, um, let's see. What one would I recommend on that? There's a mix falls that actually leads out of the uh, sinks area that goes up, up from there. And it's uh, once you leave the sinks parking area, which is popular with swimmers and everything, you find a, a destination waterfall with with that's also a stealth falls. But that would be a good winter one there.
0: Yeah, and I guess you're supposed to wear spikes when you're walking those mountains, right?
1: Crampons. Take portable crampons. Uh, If you get a pine, like uh, there'll be ice just for sections of the trail, and and you you get the kind that like slip on your foot, walk thirty foot with them, take them off. And if you need more ice uh, apparatuses than that, it's probably a really uh, brutal day
0: so i've, I've you know. seen people with big spikes and also with you know, you know basically ski poles and <laughs> thinking that they're gonna have to they go through the tundra or something like that but right. you don't it's have to season
1: for that but you know not for your average hiker that's
0: yeah i used to just i used to just hike in the winter with just some good old boots and that was about it <laughs> yeah you, you can you can figure out how to get it's not it's not so bad in the mountain the smokies you can figure it out except for real high elevation then you gotta deal with some stuff All right, when we come back, I'm going to ask you, uh, can you explain Pigeon Forge? Oh, okay,
1: okay, (laughs) sounds good.
0: This is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my guest, Keith Garns, a hiking expert in the Smokies. So before the break, I said you'd come back and you'd tell me, can you explain Pigeon Forge?
1: (laughs) Boom, yes. Let me try that one. Um, Pigeon Forge, first off, I'm coming to you from Pigeon Forge in the financial district, which means I'm in a insurance office complex okay but anyways i got my pigeon forge playing here and if you think about pigeon forge being on this planet not to put las vegas out of business you get the idea and what i mean by that is um compare and contrast las vegas with pigeon forge pigeon forge is a family-friendly area with all kinds of uh, things and what i like about it for example there's indoor snow tubing near here there's gravity coasters there's miniature golf all the uh, car shows I've been talked about everything to bring a family close to where they can venture into the smokies and kind of turn our next generation on to uh, the preservation of a national park provides and uh so definitely a few like las vegas has the killers and panic at the disco pigeon forge has dolly parton so um, it's all, it's, we're all on this planet for a reason and Pigeon Forge is definitely family oriented and I'm, I'm proud to be part of it. One thing also about uh, Pigeon Forge, they do a very worthy international destination uh, for a festival and it's called the Wilderness Wildlife Week. And every year it's gone on for um, since 1991 and it has, um, it's won the best, International event by the International Festivals and Events Association in 2016 and 17. So people can travel from around the world or even New York City, fly into McGee-Tyson, shuttle over to Pigeon Forge, and they uh, have a a bunch of workshops, uh, seminars, and classes that are all for free. And I lead a hike during it. I've, I've led hikes uh, to Andrews Ball, to uh, Baskin Creek Falls, that we spoke of, and Hinwallow Falls, and Albright's Grove. So, all four trails we've talked about, I've led hikes to uh, for free and shuttle. You haven't lived until you get in a uh, Pigeon Forge trolley and ride with your backpack to a trailhead. It just gets shuttled there, they pick you up. It's, it's really luxurious. Would you want me to focus on a few of the uh, seminars and classes that they have?
0: Sure, yeah, give them a couple. It'll give us some shout-outs right now. Okay. This, uh, you, this is your chance now to promote a couple things. Right, <laughs> well, well, this right here
1: is, uh, I mean, this is all covered within the, the, the event of Wilderness Wildlife Week. Like camera basics, carving, fly fishing, bear safety. You know, that ought to be required before you rent a cabin. Yeah. So, And then uh, they've got uh, uh, Great Spoky Mountain Heritage. Uh, wildflower. Uh, p- these are all people giving seminars or having booths to to sell you uh, uh, guidebooks and such. And uh, and so um, uh, and birds and butterflies. Okay. Now notice Pigeon Forge. They they left the bees out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, all all. Um, uh, and they they have it now in the Ramsey Hotel and Convention Center. So you could actually stay there and have all these free events. And it's an underrated mountain. Uh, old-time music uh, event, too. They always have some old-time mountain music playing during the festival or during the event.
0: Hey, cool. And you said the dates were again?
1: Um, you know, and for next year, it's going to be January 25th to the 29th in 2022. Cool. So they moved it to the winter again. And um, the uh, mypigeonforge.com is the one-stop shop to, like, look up for all these car events, and to uh, to look ahead at the Wilderness Wildlife Week and consider attending.
0: And then, um, if people want to reach you, what would you? How would how would they go about that? Um, <laughs> you know, do you have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn uh, profile? Yeah, I do
1: Instagram. I do Instagram. On Instagram. I put Instagram, and, and I will right off the bat say that uh, a lot of I've got a an cabin up in the big south fork area of tennessee and kentucky in pickett state park so i a lot of my pictures of arches and natural bridges that are in that area i think it's unheralded uh or underrated i should say and uh, of course it's out of the scope of the smokies so uh, let's talk about that one much but uh so anyways my instagram account i guess uh kay garn's instagram but I, i really don't monetize the hiking. I think that uh, like in Claiborne last week gave several great recommendations on uh, using guided hikes in the area and whitewater rafting, you know, the peripheral things mm-hmm. to do outside of the park uh, and also the zip lining. So there, there's um, a lot of things to do, and but I'm not the guy to
0: monetize it for well, that's you. That's fine. You're, you're authentic, so I appreciate not you coming done. on. Uh, and I'm going to give it now. Do some uh, sponsorship stuff, and then talk about what's happening next week. So uh, I want you to, you know, if you want to find out more about what's happening with our podcast, go to Gateway to um, It's a new site, so there might be some hiccups. We have all the pod. We have all the uh, podcasts on there. Other articles. Uh, You can subscribe to a newsletter, uh, which will be coming out, to give you uh, updates on the podcast and upcoming guests and things of interest to the the audience. Uh, Again, it's gatewaytothesmokies.com. Now, I want you to imagine a page, a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream Grill it on the, on the, the catch on the fire and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old time music and world cultural sounds. There's no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina on the edge of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. We are the starting point for all of your adventures and serenity that these mountains have to venture. Your Smoky Mountain adventure starts with where you stay, the uh, Also, I own, I own a site called smokyadventures.com, and its goal is to provide as much information pertaining to the Smoky Mountains as possible while presenting that information in the best possible way. It strives to give users a positive experience of finding outdoor adventures, lodgings, attractions, and events in and around the Smoky Mountains. It not only covers the uh, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, but also communities like Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, Townsend, Cherokee, Ware's Valley, Maggie Valley, and Bryson City, as well as the big towns like Asheville and Knoxville. We have ma- hiking trails, lots of hiking trails, maps, information about the most popular trails and waterfalls, interactive trailhead map, detailed high- hiking trail sections, information about multi-day hikes, uh, and and you can find all that at smokiesadventure.com i this podcast is part of wheretraveler.com's podcast series and i uh, i have developed the sec uh, the 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 regional uh, 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 publishing uh, part of that called wheretraveler.com/great-smoky-mountains with dashes between the words uh, world Traveler, Where Traveler is the world's premier name in travel publishing, from magazines and books to maps and comprehensive digital comp- content. Where Travelers gives travelers everything they need from a local perspective. Each year, 246 million travelers trust Where Traveler for up-to-date information on where to go and what to see in nearly 100 locations destinations worldwide. Um, and then finally. I want you to know that we're on the talkradio.nyc network. We, it, it's a network of a lot of great podcasts. I think right after ours is Rediscovering New York from uh, six, 7 to 8. It's live on Tuesdays from 7 to 8. Uh, like this one's live. on, and then, and then you can also find it on iTunes and other networks. So uh, don't forget. And then come back next week. Uh, where our podcast will feature another cultural and adventure in the mountains of uh, in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee and North Carolina, or rather the Smoky Mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>